Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. Hello, 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 my amigos, and welcome to this, the bonus part of today's FYI episode on Central Park. Yeah, well, as I said before, I took you to Central Perk the week before, and since you guys were really perky, remember that means energetic, well, I decided to stay in New York and go to the real Central Park, the place that inspired Central Perk, Central Perk, and the place that inspired that fountain, which we're going to talk about, the Bethesda Fountain and Terrace, which is probably one of the most iconic parts of the park, and also probably, I would say, the heart, the core, the center. But things weren't always sunny, right? Sunny is also happy for Central Park. It had some dark days. And I think one of the great things is that both times that it was in a bad situation, it bounced back. And to bounce back is volver. It came back is another way to say it as well. And well, it fell into disrepair. This was due to bureaucratic struggles, luchas burocráticas. Another way that we say bureaucracy is red tape. And there was a notorious uh, group of leaders in New York called Tammany Hall. They called it the Tammany Hall political machine. If you've never heard of it, it's really interesting because it's kind of like a mafia slash government that was running the show in New York City. And really, really interesting times. So what happened? Well, they decided uh, that they were going to do things their way and they were going to have some budget cuts and they were going to put their own people in there to oversee the park and also to design it and well they they wanted to make some changes also because of the newly invented automobile but uh, you know if it's not broken don't fix it that's the expression in english if it ain't broken don't fix it so it was in uh, disrepair for a while it was overgrown it was dilapidated and then mayor fiorello laguardia a very famous character in new york history there's even an airport named after him laguardia airport well he instructed urban planner and here's another really famous name in new york urban planner Robert Moses. And if you don't know who Robert Moses is, you guys should definitely watch his biography or read up on him. To read up on is estudiarle un poco. Robert Moses, like Moises. A very, very important and controversial figure when it comes to urban planning. So Fiorello LaGuardia, the mayor, el alcalde, he put Robert Moses in charge and he gave him the task la tarea of cleaning it up. This was in 1934. So this controversial figure, Robert Moses, he built new playground. Uh, playground's a very logical word. I love that word. Uh, playground. Uh, sitio o terreno de juego. And this is un patio de niños, a playground. Ballparks. We learned that one when we talked about baseball. Uh, there's also a skating rink. Uh, which now it's called Wolman Rink, but I believe for a period it was called Trump Wolman Rink because the skating rink was in disrepair as well. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Central Park 
in disrepair. I couldn't imagine people not caring about this park. But that's what happens if you don't take care of your garden, and I mean this literally and figuratively, things will get overgrown. Things will fall into disrepair. And so Moses and, you know, under the backing of Fiorello LaGuardia, raised funds, recaudó fondos, and they built sculptures and a carousel, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. It's a very famous carousel, one of the first ones. He also renovated the zoo, which you want me to be dead honest with you? That is one place I have not been in Central Park. I remember going near the zoo and hanging out in that area, but I've never gone into the zoo. And I've got to be honest with you, I'm not a big zoo person. I like safaris, but zoos, sometimes I feel bad for the animals. Me dan penita. I'm sure in New York there are enough watchdogs, uh, watchdogs on estos grupos que vigilan como el mundo hace las cosas, and there are enough of these watchdogs to keep an eye on things, and to keep an eye on es vigilar. So they said that under these two guys, Robert Moses and Fiorello LaGuardia, the mayor, in 1934, they were able to restore Central Park to its former glory. But it fell again. There was another downfall, and this was in the 1970s. In fact, New York in the 1970s and 80s in general was going through a difficult time. They called it the rotting apple. You know the, the expression, the big apple? Well, they called it the rotting apple because as you discovered in our Times Square episode, it was falling apart. The city was in shambles. And if something is in shambles, it's in ruinas. I remember driving through uh, Harlem. I, I was going to say the Bronx. Harlem, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from Times Square. And I felt like I was in Mogadishu. I felt like I was in a war zone. So it wasn't just Central Park that was going through a difficult time. So if they weren't taking care of their streets they definitely were not going to be taking care of their parks. And that's exactly what happened. And again, we're back to the same thing. Budget cuts, no? Recortes, right? To cut the budget. That's the number one thing you hear all the time. Budget cuts and mismanagement. Mala gestión, you possibly say mismanagement. And it just became a dirty, disgusting place. There was a lot of criminal acti activity. Uh, you know, there was, it was not a kind of place where you wanted to hang out. It was a bit shady, a bit dodgy, que son como sitios un poco sospechosos, eh, poco limpios, right? And then in 1980, they raised funds, and you, you'll see this in New York's history and Central Park's history specifically, many citizens have gotten together to raise money to fix things in this park because they love it so much and they realize that it's a lifeline and it's such an important part of this city. And in 1980, they finally said, let's go for broke. And to go for broke is vamos a darlo todo. Let's make this park what it really deserves to be. Let's restore it to its original glory and then some, y aún más. Now, those of you who have not been to this park, as I said, you've been there in movies before. That's one of the, the number one comments I hear from people who go to New York for the first time. They say, Alberto, 
I felt like I had been there before because I'd, I'd been there through the movies and the series that I watch. And then when I, I told you last week that Friends wasn't filmed in New York and that fountain was really in a studio, uh, I know, I know it was a tough moment. <laughs> I hope you guys are getting over it. Espero que estáis superándolo. But it's no wonder, no es una sorpresa, that it's one of the most filmed locations in the world. In 1908, the original cinematic version of Romeo and Juliet became the first movie to be shot on its ground. And they never looked back. Ever since then, they've been filming movies and series. I remember when I used to be on break at work, I used to go there and I would see, like, you know, you'd see a whole crew. And when I say a whole crew, I mean 10 movie trucks, three catering trucks. Cuidado, esa palabra en inglés no es catering. Se escribe igual, but we say catering. And I mean, they really did some huge productions there. But it all started with the Montagues and the Capulets, Romeo and Juliet, and some other movies that you might recognize that followed suit, que siguieron los pasos, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. You call it Desayuno con Diamantes, which if you're familiar with the area, you'll know that Tiffany's is not far from Central Park at all. Uh, that was in 1961. 1989, another classic uh, romantic rom-com, como decimos, romantic comedy. This was When Harry Met Sally, and this was with uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah, ya sé lo que estás pensando. Wasn't every rom-com in the 80s Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? <laughs> it felt that way. Uh, more recently, uh, The Avengers in 2012 was also filmed there. Home Alone 2, if we go back to another classic, I Am Legend, Ghostbusters, and the list goes on. And I imagine that people would love to film there, and they don't because, well, the budget. Why do you think Friends didn't film there? They had a lot of money, I imagine. But no, I guess it was cheaper to rebuild Central Park in a studio than to actually get the permits, los permisos, because you need permits to film in New York. You can't just, you know, show up with a camera crew and say, okay, we're going to film here, uh, the, we're going to film the Bethesda Fountain. Uh, I don't think so. It doesn't work like that. Now let's look at the nature aspect. We'll look at some of the, the fauna facts and, well, some of the different animals and wildlife that you can find. Now, one thing I always remember seeing there was squirrels. And a squirrel es una ardilla, pero las grises, porque las que tienen rayas, those are called chipmunks. But you want to know the good news? You can find both in Central Park. Squirrels and chipmunks. Uh, raccoons, now be careful, raccoons are cute. No, mapaches, they're cute, but uh, they could have rabies. They could be rabid. So don't go up to a raccoon. Then obviously, since there are a lot of bodies of water, you'll find ducks, geese. Uh, remember, geese es el plural de goose. So goose es un ganso and geese es el plural. No decimos gooses. Uh, so many different birds from robins, uh, Robin uh, Petirojo, I think you say. Uh, I'm, I'm not too familiar. Blue Jays, que es un pájaro azul precioso. Uh, Orioles, uh, another very common bird in the Northeast. Cardinals, if you've never seen a cardinal, 
It is a red bird that is absolutely beautiful. You've got woodpeckers. Woodpecker is <laughs> a woodpecker. Como se dice? Carpintero. You call him a carpenter. We call it a woodpecker. And I even remember people there with binoculars looking at falcons, hawks, owls. I mean, we're talking about some serious birds. And as I said, it's not just birds. You'll find all kinds of wildlife there. And it's crazy because, again, you're seeing these animals and they are nested, as we say, nested es como en, una, en un nido in the center of Central Park, which is in the center of a metropolis. And when you think about that, it's kind of mind-blowing, to be honest. Now, if you'll notice, I didn't mention the pigeons. Las palomas. Remember, a, a dove is a white uh, paloma blanca. And a uh, pigeon is the one, that, bueno, vamos a ser honestos, the rat with wings. And I didn't mention the pigeons because, well, you got to beware. You got to be very careful uh, because there are pigeon droppings. And droppings is caídas. Pero te tengo que decir lo que está cayendo. I'll give you a clue. It's white and you don't want it on you. Yeah. Droppings are cagadas de pájaro. And I feel like the pigeons in New York... They're, they're like New Yorkers a little bit. They're a little bit edgy, you know? To, to be a little bit edgy, un poco nerviosos, un poco como chulillos. Like, you know, they're, they're not just quiet, you know. They've got a bit of an attitude. Let's put it that way. Even the pigeons. Hasta las palomas. And of course, you wouldn't have any of these birds if you didn't have more than 26,000 trees spread out all over the park including 1,700 elms. ¿Te suena esa palabra? Elm. Nightmare on Elm Street. Did you guys know that that took place in Lavapiés in, in Spain? Yeah, absolutely. Calle del Olmo in Lavapiés, Elm Street. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll stop with the jokes. But hey, if it helps you remember, Elm is Olmo. And now I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience in this amazing lung, this lush lung in the center of New York City. Now, I lived on 28th Street between 7th and 8th. And as I said, the park starts on 59th Street. So I could walk there. I remember rollerblading there and walking there many, many times. But I also worked on 57th and 6th. So I worked two blocks from the park and anytime I would have a break or anytime I would get out of work and you know my friends and I would say hey it's it's light out it's beautiful you know summertime let's go to the park man and you could spend hours in Central Park and every time you go it's a different park because you can really experience the four seasons so if you go in the fall it's totally different than if you go in the winter. You won't even recognize it. And I'm going to tell you guys now about some of my favorite spots. One place I used to go is Sheep Meadow. And Sheep Meadow is a big grass area. It's a lawn, un césped. And believe it or not, sheep used to graze there. Uh, this was from the 1860s until around the Great Depression. There were actual sheep in Central Park, in Sheep Meadow, which kind of makes sense. And I, I figure we could teach you the word now, sheeple. 
sheep, people, borregos. Yes, there are also sheeple. So the sheep are gone, but there are still sheeple in Sheep Meadow. And I remember Sheep Meadows where I used to go with my friends to lay out, no, tomar el sol. We would, you know, hang out and just chat for hours. I don't even think we had social media. So for us, just sitting there, you know, and chatting and hacky sacking and meeting people, it was a day. I remember packing a backpack. Even though I lived in New York City, I would bring my bottle of water, some bananas, maybe I would bring, you know, a sandwich and I would literally spend the day around Central Park. And I and I always remember, you know, if I would go there on my day off, mi dia libre, I would always sleep better that night because it's such a big park. You would get tired, you know. You could run down your energy so you could, you know, sleep well, like, like I have to do with my daughter, kind of. And so it wasn't until the Great Depression that they removed the sheep and they relocated them to Prospect Park, which we talked about in the first part of the show, also designed by the same designer and highly recommended. It's in Brooklyn. And they transformed that area where the sheep are, where the sheep were, and there's another uh, irregular plural. Sheep is not sheeps, it's sheep. So we looked at geese and we looked at sheep. And where the sheep were, it was called Tavern on the Green now. Does that ring a bell? Well, if you don't know Tavern on the Green, it's because uh, you don't know the most luxurious restaurant you'll ever find in the center of a park. It's called Tavern on the Green, and you want me to be honest with you? I've never been to Tavern on the Green. But I have been to the boathouse. And I'll tell you about the boathouse. It's a cheaper option than Tavern on the Green. And Tavern on the Green, aside from being a very luxurious, swanky restaurant, it's also a place where they have weddings. I mean, just imagine, you got married in Central Park, Tavern on the Green. I mean, I don't think you can top that. To top is mejorar. But I'm gonna tell you guys about a place that's maybe a little bit cheaper, and I think a lot cooler because it's not so upscale. No, the piti mini. And that's the boathouse. But Tavern on the Green, hey, if you've got the cash, si tienes la pasta, and think about it, how often are you in New York? See if you can get a reservation and go. But if not, the boathouse. But I'm going to tell you about that. I'm going to tell you about that. I just wanted to finish up telling you why they moved the sheep and eventually moved them out of New York and moved them into the mountains, the Catskill Mountains. So they went from Central Park to Prospect Park all the way out to the Catskill Mountains. And it's because they were worried that hungry, and when I say hungry, I mean starving residents would eat them. Because as I said, it was during the Great Depression when they moved them. So people were dying. They were, they were starving. Of course, if they found a sheep, they would eat it and they could eat for weeks and their family, maybe months. So they got rid of these sheep. And another area, uh, speaking of lawns, the Great Lawn. But I've got to be honest, the Great Lawn is so big that it just feels almost intimidating. <laughs> uh, Sheep Meadow is cool because it's a big patch of grass, but I feel like it's quaint, you know? It's cozier, it's uh, more intimate. And I keep mentioning this boathouse. And what is this boathouse? Well, the boathouse is a restaurant and bar which is located right by the area where you can rent boats. See, it makes sense. I told you, everything makes sense in New York. And the boathouse is really cool. I've never eaten there, but I, I remember a couple times where I said, okay, I can afford a beer here. And I'll never forget that beer. 
Okay, maybe it was $8, and I don't want to think about how much the beer is now, but the boathouse is a must. You have a beautiful view of the lake in New York City. You see people rowing by to row es remar. El remo is called an oar, so there are rowboats. I highly recommend you rent a rowboat. Or if you're feeling romantic, you can rent the gondola. There's actually a gondola that you can rent at the boathouse too. So it's a must. And the boathouse is right near one of the most famous areas, which is the Bethesda Fountain and Terrace. Again, I said before, it's the heart of Central Park, and it's the one that the Friends theme was modeled after, the Bethesda Terrace and Fountain. Don't miss it. And after you take those pictures that you have to take, those must-have pictures, then go over to the boathouse and cool down with an ice-cold drink. Or maybe having a drink is not your thing. Well, then you can ride the merry-go-round. Now, this is an elegant 57-horse carousel. You can say carousel or merry-go-round. I love it. Felicidad va en círculos. Merry-go-round. In Spanish, it's a funny name. Live uncle. Tío vivo. <laughs> well, this merry-go-round was built over a hundred years ago. And it's a vintage treasure. Vamos a pronunciar esta palabra, vintage. I know you guys say vintage in Spanish, so vintage in English. A vintage treasure, and they found it. It was abandoned. Somebody abandoned this merry-go-round. I guess they couldn't afford the upkeep, the maintenance anymore, and they left it. It was down at the terminal in Coney Island, which one day we're going to do an episode on Coney Island as well. And so they decided to reclaim it, and they placed it over there in Central Park. And there was already a, a, a merry-go-round there. There were actually two. They were burned by fire. I didn't know about that. I, I didn't do too much research into the fire, but I am dying to take my daughter on that merry-go-round, that classic merry-go-round in Central Park. Another thing I'm dying to take my daughter on is the Alice in Wonderland statue. And you're thinking, what? The Alice in Wonderland statue? But what do you mean on? On es una atracción, ¿no? No se va a subir en una estatua o una escultura. She's not going to get on a sculpture or a statue. Wrong. This one, she can. And this is an awesome sculpture of Lewis Carroll's Alice from Alice in Wonderland. It was made by a guy named Jose de Crift. And this statue, this sculpture was designed to be climbed on. They encourage you to climb on it. And it's a mushroom, una seta. You've got to go see it. It's a really cool sculpture. And kids and, let's be honest, adults alike love climbing on it and getting that classic picture sitting next to Alice in Wonderland on that mushroom. But if Alice in Wonderland is not your thing, don't worry. There are another 51 sculptures in the park. 51 sculptures. That's not including the seven ornamental fountains, the 125 drinking fountains. So there is just a wealth of stuff, abundancia, in this park. 36 bridges, one of the most famous ones I'm sure you're familiar with. You've seen it in photographs and movies. It's the Bow Bridge. And a bow es un arco, right? A bow and arrow es el tiro, right? So Bow Bridge. It's probably one of the most photographed locations in Central Park. It is 
gorgeous. We mentioned Strawberry Fields before. It's a must. You gotta go to Strawberry Fields, but be forewarned. Prevenido. It's flooded with tourists, just like you, who want to get that picture around that mosaic Imagine. And it's worth it. You got to go there. But I wouldn't say it's my favorite part of Central Park. But while you're there, I would wander out into the streets and you go visit the Dakota Building. The Dakota Building, which is where John Lennon was assassinated. It's also the building from Rosemary's Baby, La Semilla del Diablo. So that's right near. If you're going to go to Strawberry Fields, you might as well visit the Dakota Building too. Perhaps my favorite area in Central Park is the Belvedere Castle. Write this one down. The Belvedere Castle and the adjoining Shakespeare Garden, which is absolutely beautiful as well. And this is on a rock called Vista Rock. And those of you who speak Spanish, well, you'll know Vista, una vista. Why? Well, it's one of the most beautiful views in Central Park. It's not the highest elevation in the park. It's the second highest. But there's a castle called Belvedere Castle. And it gives you a panoramic view from this castle of all of Central Park. It is, if if I have to choose, definitely my favorite area, my favorite view of Central Park. It is absolutely breathtaking. And I know what you're thinking. Belvedere Castle? There's a castle in Central Park? Did a king live there? Or a prince? Or a princess? No. This castle was ornamental. Remember, we were talking about the European influence. So they wanted to build this ornamental castle that had no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> Just to be beautiful, aesthetically. But uh, in 1919, the National Weather Service decided to move in and use it as a place to take measurements of the weather. So it's now a weather station and my favorite view of Central Park. Don't go to Central Park without visiting Belvedere Castle. And you want me to be honest? Many people don't go to Belvedere Castle because you gotta really walk into the park. Another area which is very unique because there aren't any straight lines in the park. No hay líneas rectas. This was part of the design as well, except for an area called the mall. And the mall is this straight area that is a tree-lined street with benches. I know. I can, if you Google it right now, the mall, Central Park, you're going to say, claro, esta zona. Well, here's what I recommend. You walk down the mall until you get to the Bethesda Terrace and the Bethesda Fountain. Then you have a drink over at the boathouse. And then you go over to the Ramble. And the Ramble, piénsalo, la Rambla. Hmm. <laughs> the Ramble is one of my favorite areas. The Ramble and the North Woods. And again, these are areas that are less frequented by tourists. Makes sense. They're harder to get to, but they're worth it. The Ramble and the North Woods is probably the most natural area. The, the area where you forget that you're in New York City. I remember being there and taking off my shoes and socks and putting them into the brook. There's a little brook there. And I couldn't hear any taxis, any horns honking. I, I totally forgot 
that I was living in New York City. And when you live in a city like New York City, a bustling metropolis, sometimes you need to forget where you live and just disconnect. And there is no place like Central Park for that. It is an oasis inside of a metropolis. And we need to protect it and we need to preserve it. So we'll end this episode on that positive note. I want to thank you guys so much for being here today and every day on this episode of FYI.